Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church, advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Today's scripture reading from Psalm 91, New International Version. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. In his day, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high of your dwelling. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. He will go, he, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike a foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and cobra. You will trample the great lion and serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen.
holy manna is our bread. Come from wilderness and wandering here in truth, we will be fed. Human yawn for days of fullness, all around us is our food. Taste and see the grace eternal, taste and see that God is good. All who hunger, never strangers, seekers, be a welcome guest. Come from restlessness and roaming here in joy, we keep the feast. We that once were lost and scattered, in communion's love have stood. Taste and see the grace eternal, taste and see that God is good. All who hunger sing together, Jesus Christ is living bread. Come from loneliness and longing, here in peace we have been led. Blessed are those who this table live their lives in gratitude. Taste and see the grace eternal, taste and see that God is good. We continue today in the series focusing on the platform pieces of the movement for black lives, putting these particular calls for justice in biblical and theological context. Last week, we focused on the platform plank to respect and protect protesters, at the same time that reports were beginning to come out of Portland of militarized federal agents in camouflage and in many eyewitness reports without proper identification. In response to this shocking display of aggression, a group of Portland moms showed up to respect and protect the protesters chanting, feds stay clear, moms are here, and leave our kids alone. They created what is being called the wall of moms. But let's be clear, black moms have been standing in the gap together between their kids and violence for centuries. One of the more recent examples is Moms Against Senseless Killings, who started in 2015, and interestingly uses the acronym MASK, M-A-S-K. These moms really seem to have their finger on the pulse of what will keep us safe. They were doing this saying mask in 2015. Originating in the Inglewood neighborhood of Chicago, their model of providing community safety through presence and resource distribution has been adopted in cities across the country. Kofi Adamola, Chicago Black Lives Matter lead organizer said, we see what MASK is doing on a grassroots level by bringing communities together. We wanna to help uplift them whenever they need help. Things happen when violence isn't looked at as a public health issue. In the current uprising, many veteran organizers and activists have said that this time feels different saying that the change sought for decades and centuries even feels more possible now. And when asked why, various reasons have been offered. But now we know the reason. One that even every schoolyard bully knows not to do so that they can keep bullying. 
the police and federal agents have drawn the attention of the moms. And now the wall of moms is facing off against federal agents and Portland police in support of activist leaders of color who have been in the streets 50 consecutive nights since May 25th. Many are new to activism and reported surprise when tear gas and flash grenades were used against them. Sadly, this has been my experience and what I have witnessed in protest, that the presumption that any kind of privilege will protect me when I choose to step into protest space has been met with swift and surprising violence from agents of the state, even though nonviolent protesting is a civil right. I will never forget standing in the front line of protesters on the anniversary of the death of Michael Brown who was killed by police in Ferguson, Missouri. U.S. Marshals had been holding the police line uh, and then they were replaced with St. Louis County Police who were armed with guns and active tasers. We all knew that the St. Louis County Police in particular were not inclined to show restraint. A few hours later, many of us were arrested without resistance and fortunately without tasers or lethal force. We were held into the evening but only released when we allowed our DNA to be taken through a cheek swab. On that day we were protesting that though the U.S. Department of Justice report that had confirmed the violation by Ferguson police of first fourth and 14th amendment rights had, had had come out five months earlier, it had not been acted on, nothing had happened. To be clear, the violence coming from police toward black and brown persons, sometimes lethally, has been at the center of the current movement for black lives since the beginning. And since May 25th, over 10,000 protesters, the vast majority nonviolent, in 140 cities in all 50 states, 10,000 protesters have been arrested by police. Often protesters on the ground report violence instigated by police in order to arrest through aggression, flash grenades, and tear gas. So today we focus on the movement platform plank of divest and invest, which reads, we demand investments in the education, health, safety, and safety of black people, instead of investments in the criminalizing, caging, and harming of black people. We want investments in black communities, determined by black communities, and divestment from exploitive forces, including prisons, fossil fuels, police, surveillance, and exploitative corporations. The part of divestment I want to center this morning is one that we are moving toward in Berkeley and in Oakland and have been struggling with for some time, the call to defund the police. What does it mean to defund police? Is it simply a, a zeroing out of a line item in a city or a county's budget? And if we were able to liberate all or some of those funds in what would be invested. The words defund, divest, and invest can make us think that this is primarily an economic question 
but really that's very misleading. So I want to caution you against that assumption. This is about something much bigger than just the money. The activists at the center of the campaign to defund the police call themselves abolitionists. It is not so much the money going toward city police departments that they want to abolish, though the use, the appropriate use of funds to further security is part of the equation. It is about the whole structure and mindset around policing in this country that purports to offer safety and security to all people, but for black persons and other communities of color and marginalization, enacts terror, control, and traumatization. When abolitionists say defund or reform the police, what is being called for is an engagement with what it means for everyone to be safe and well, enjoying true freedom and the pursuit of happiness. Defunding and divesting from the police is a strategy that looks different in every city and requires participatory engagement from the community as well as a long-term approach to systemic change. The choice of the term abolitionist by the leaders of this movement is intentional and harkens back to the abolitionist campaigns to abolish slavery in the U.S. from the early 1800s through the Civil War. When abolitionists began to call for the immediate and full emancipation of all persons who were enslaved in the U.S., they were often met with objections such as, we can't do that, the economy of the U.S. would collapse, or we don't even know how to do that, or that's impossible. Today's abolitionists calling for a dismantling of the system of policing and incarceration are often met with the same objections. But when we look back at the, the, the objections thrown at the abolitionists in the 1800s, we have to ask, were these objections right? Were these objections even true? And we see no. The reasons given to continue with the institution of slavery were neither right nor true. And so when we come to this question today, we have to ask ourselves, which side of history do we want to be on? And please, let me be clear, in talking about defunding the police, I'm not condemning individual police officers. I have three brothers-in-law who are police officers. But in observing the toll that our system of policing takes on police officers and their families, I don't think this system is working for them either. What keeps us safe? Well, it certainly isn't the perpetuation of systems of inequality. Inequality makes us less safe. One fear over defunding police is that those with resources, who are largely white, would hire their own private armed security detail, while others without resources would be at the mercy of lawlessness, making them even less secure. But this is a false conclusion based on the racism and privilege embedded in the current system. The idea of defunding the police is to look at the whole system and transform the whole system. Inequality does make us less safe. The goal of divest and invest is to dig deeply to imagine how we might truly take responsibility for the well-being of each other. 
This doesn't mean we would be naive about the reality of mental illness or brokenness or even evil in the world that creates unsafe situations, but that we would take responsibility and not place the, the full responsibility of responding to these challenges of society on a group of people armed with lethal force embedded in a system that has been shown to be deeply biased and flawed. Our scripture for today is from Psalm 91, a psalm sometimes referred to informally as the Psalm of Security. It begins, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, God is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And then it continues, If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For God will command God's angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. When we ask the question, what will make us safe? The scripture provides two key answers for persons of faith. First, God is our refuge and our shelter. Does this mean that God will keep any terrible thing from befalling us? No. We know this isn't how God has set up the world. God has given us all free will. And in the bad choices persons have made and cumulative brokenness that re results in such evil as systemic racism, we remain responsible for the gift of free will, all of us. And we know there are accidents and disasters that come from nowhere and that there are systems of evil that we are born into. The truth embedded in this psalm is not that we won't face violence or evil or suffering, but that if we remember that we are enfolded in the love of God, we can never be without shelter. We will never be without a refuge. In this sense, security is a spiritual issue. But in another very real way, security is also a present and urgent issue. The potential of experiencing harm or needing mortal assistance poses another more immediate challenge to answering what makes us safe. And here we come to the second answer embedded in the scripture. For God will command God's angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. This is a call to the community, both heavenly and earthly, angels among us, to be safety for each other. This is what moms against senseless killings and wall of moms are doing. We are each other's angels, and when we recognize each person as our neighbor, our sibling, we are each other's keepers. And we have a multitude of ways to organize ourselves so that particular needs are responded to with particular kinds of help. What makes our community safe? With God's help, we make our community safe. In the wake of the murder of George Floyd at the hands of police in Minneapolis, 
The city council there has voted to dismantle and reform the city's police department. Activists I know there could not believe it when the vote was taken. They never thought they would see that happen in their lifetimes. And now the city of Minneapolis and the people in the city of Minneapolis are joining other communities across the country who are doing the essential work of putting other structures in place to keep themselves safe, which includes much more attention to investing in health and wholeness on the front end than policing and punishment on the back end. This will be a long process, but it can be done. The abolitionists of the 1800s are nodding. Let's commit to the long haul and do this work well, and in the process ensure that each person and each community is secure and well. Amen. for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. Right.
Thank you.